video's a little bit frightening, isn't it? In Halloween over. Have you ever had to learn something the hard way? A few years ago, we had this uh, cabinet that the door had fallen off in our kitchen, right? And so my wife asked me to repair it. And so I kind of, you know, I get my tools, I get my screwdriver, I get my wrench and so forth. And I'm trying to get it wedged back into the hinge. And I'm not having much success. So what I finally decide to do, I go and I get my pocket knife. Don't get ahead of me. So I go and I get my pocket knife, and I take it, and I try to wedge that sucker back in there. And I'm still not having very much success. So what I finally decide to do is just give up. So I take the pocket knife, and I close it up right on my ring finger. All right? And so not going to give you all the gory details, but suffice it to say, a tetanus shot and seven stitches later, I had learned a lesson the hard way. All right? It was a painful lesson to learn, and to this day, I have a scar in the shape of a question mark on my ring finger. (laughs) But you know what? That reminds me, when I'm about to make a stupid decision, I need to stop and think, is this the right thing to do? Sometimes, the lessons that stick with us, the lessons that, that really affect and change our lives, are the ones that we learn the hard way. Last week, we started a series on the story of Jonah. And, um, and Pastor Zach, you know, he kind of got in there. And, and what I want us to really get a grasp on as we go through this and as, as, we, as we get into this today is, do you believe that we serve a great big God? Because if we believe that we serve a great big God, then we can also believe that God has a great big plan for our lives. And if God has a great big plan for our lives, then God is going to do great big things to accomplish his plan. So we can be certain of that, okay? So last week, Zach left us on a bit of a cliffhanger, okay? God's prophet Jonah had been thrown off the boat, and he's just kind of hanging out in the water. All right, now, some of you like to fish, and you know that the only thing that you throw off the boat into the water is bait, right? So we're going to pick up where Zach left off last week, And we're going to read uh, Jonah chapter 1, verse 17. All right, so if you're in your Bibles, feel free. Otherwise, it's going to be up here. And so it tells us, Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So, so far, we can't really say whether or not Jonah the prophet is a good prophet or not. But we do know that he makes pretty good bait, right? Because he got swallowed by that fish quickly. All right, so before we dig in, let's clarify where we're coming from this, okay? Because some people suggest that we need to look at the story of Jonah as a fable. You know, this is a really cool story with, you know, a good message. But we can't really treat this as fact. There wasn't really a dude that spent three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, all right? I take issue with treating this as a fable Because Jesus treated this as an actual historical reality and one with prophetic implications. All right? So we're going to see what he had to say in Matthew chapter 12. So Matthew chapter 12, verses 38 through 40. Jesus says, Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. He answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asked for a sign, but none will be given it. Except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days 
and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So Jesus did not distance himself from Jonah as being a historical truth, okay? Jesus treated it as reality. And so if Jesus is on board with this, we're going to be on board too, all right? So that's their perspective. That's where we're going with this, okay? So, so we're going with Jesus on this as Jonah as a reality. So the first thing that I want us to take away from this today is that one thing that we can be certain about God is that God does not leave a person unchanged, all right? Anytime that God encounters somebody, we see that that person goes away a different person. So Moses is off in the desert. One day he sees this bush burning and God talks to him out of the bush. Guess what? Moses' life was never the same again. All right? So, so Moses, for the rest of his life, till the day he dies, literally is serving God. In the Gospels, we find that anytime Jesus meets someone who is possessed by a demon or somebody caught in adultery or a wee little tax collector who's hiding up in a tree just to try and see Jesus, Jesus changes that individual, okay? So the people who are possessed by demons, he casts the demons out. When he comes across somebody caught in adultery, he says, go and sin no more. When Jesus uh, encounters a wee little tax collector, he says, can I go to your house? And he convinces that wee little tax collector to make everything right. Whatever you've done before, go make it right. So, if God took the time to prepare a huge fish to swallow Jonah, do you think Jonah's life is going to be changed from this experience? You betcha, right? All right, so we're going to go on and... um, and kind of see what happens with Jonah. So Jonah is in that huge fish for three days. And then this happens in Jonah chapter 2, verse 1. For from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. We'll look at what Jonah prays in, in just a few minutes. But I just want to look at this for just a minute. Because just the fact that Jonah is praying is significant. Okay? Have any of you ever reserved a hotel room online? All right, so a lot of us have by now. Have you, you know, they put on these descriptions. Have you ever read a hotel room description that says, our hotel smells like the inside of a fish? (laughs) Nah. So after three days in the fish, just on smell alone, you think Jonah is ready for a change? Yeah, he's ready to switch it up, right? So just on smell alone. The other day, Our internet at home was down, and my son was like, man, I can't stand another 30 minutes of this. I was like, I made it 18 years with no internet. When I finally got some, it was pretty slow. I think that you can manage, all right? So, but Jonah is three days and three nights in this fish. That's stubborn, right? Because he's three days and three nights in the fish, and then Jonah prayed. All right, so if nothing else, okay, the, the fish smell is going to get to him. Some of you are around my age. Some of you younger people may not get this, but I used to love my He-Man toys when I was little, all right? So, so I watched this documentary not too long ago, and they had the, uh, the people who originally came up with the idea of the He-Man toys. And what they wanted to do was they wanted to appeal to children by giving them something that made the children feel powerful. 
So, so when you think of He-Man, you think of him holding up his sword, and what does he say? I have the power, right? So that was something that they did intentionally to, to appeal to children because a lot of times children don't feel like they have a lot of power, right? So it worked. For most of the 1980s, the biggest selling toy line was He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, okay? So they were right, it works, okay? Because at the end of the day, we want to feel like I'm number one, right? We want to feel like we have the power. But Jonah is in a spot where there ain't nothing he can do, all right? He has no other options. He has no power left to do anything about his situation. And think about this. Now, I know that we, in a general sense, we understand that all the good things that we have come from God, right? But Jonah's a prophet of God. So literally, his livelihood, all of his power, everything that he has going from him is from God, okay? He's a, he's a professional of God, okay? That's his occupation. So if Jonah the prophet is running from God, are his, are his prospects too good? No, man, he's in rough shape, all right? So Jonah could have remained defiant, but where would that have got him? Being number one doesn't count for much when you're fish food, does it? All right. So when Jonah realizes his situation, it brings him to a place of humility. He has to say, okay, maybe, maybe I'm not number one. Maybe I don't have all the power. And sometimes, guys, we have to say that too. Sometimes we have to say, you know what, I don't got this God, but I know that you do. All right? And I tell you, you know, um, just throughout life, you have to tell yourself that sometimes. I don't got this, but I know that you have this God. Because just like Jonah, sometimes God wants us to change how we look at things. God got Jonah in a position where all that he could do was change his perspective. It can be easy, especially when things are going well, to say, I got this, all right? I'm doing great. It's easy to say, I'm the best. I'm, the no I'm number one when things are going well. And it's pretty easy to get to that place if you don't keep your sights on what God has done for you. But Jonah recognized the situation, and he said, it is time to adjust, all right? So let's go ahead and read on to verse 2. So Jonah 2, 1 and 2. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. So for Jonah, this is a complete 180 degree turn. So this is a guy who has been running as far and as fast away from God as he could. And now that he realizes the utter hopelessness of his situation, what does he do? He turns to God. He says, okay, I have to change. So obviously, it's best if we never run from God, right? It would be better if we just go hand in hand with God every morning and ask God, what do you want from me today? But do we do that? 
So best is to never run from God. Second best is when we do mess up, turn back to God. And that's what Jonah's doing now. He is turning his heart back to God. And, and here's the deal. Something I want you to keep in mind, okay? Because God receives no pleasure from our shame and our guilt. God would much rather turn our hearts back to himself than have us feel shame and guilt. So Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son in the New Testament, right? So for those of you who are not familiar, this young man goes up to his dad one day. And he says, Dad, hey, how about rather than I wait on you to die, you just give me my inheritance right now. Okay, he probably said it a little bit more tactfully than that. All right, but anyways, something to that effect. So he goes and he gets his inheritance from his dad and he goes to the big city. You know, in, in our day, that would be the equivalent of, you know, getting your money. You go to New York or Chicago or Frog Level, you know, someplace real upscale like that. All right. So, so Jonah heads out with his money and, and he does what, what any young man with too much money and not enough sense is liable to do. He spends all of his money on, on friends and women and booze. So once all that's gone in, something's never changed, do they? Most of us probably know somebody in our lives who has just wasted their lives on, on wine, women, and song, right? Some things never change. So Jonah has gone and he's done that. So he, has, he, he gets a job just to get by. And it's not just any job, okay? It is the lowest job, as Jesus is telling the story, the lowest job that his audience could imagine. He is feeding pigs. So Jesus is, keeping to, Jesus is speaking to a Jewish audience, okay? For a Jewish audience, I know you're thinking pigs, you know, ham, bacon, that's delightful, right? But for a Jewish audience, pigs are, are unclean, filthy animals, this prodigal son, he should have nothing to do with a pig. But here he is, and he's gone from, from the ivory tower to feeding pigs, the absolute lowest job he could have, all right? So this is like he's hit rock bottom, and a sack of potatoes fell on top of him, all right? So he is at the lowest of the low points he could be at. And then one day, he has a moment of clarity, and he says, you know what? Even my dad's servants have it better than I do. And so he picks himself up and he goes back to his dad. And his dad sees him coming, runs out, greets him, and throws a party to celebrate the fact that his son is back. God does not want you to live your life in shame. You've made mistakes? Yeah, you have. We all do. But God would much rather you turn back to him than continue on in your mistakes. So just like that prodigal, just like when we, just like Jonah, when we fail, that's not just, God's not just done with us, okay? God wants us to turn back to him. And you can know the difference between the convicting power of the Holy Spirit and when the enemy is attacking you. Let's look in Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, verses 37 and 39. It says, No, in all of these things, 
We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth. And just in case you can try to think of something else that's not included in any of those categories, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Guess what, guys? If you're a Christian, you have already been declared a conqueror. And the Bible says that nothing can separate you from God's love. So, if nothing can separate us from God's love, when we mess up, is God going to say, hey, that's just too much? I can't have anything to do with you anymore? No, it doesn't work like that, okay? When you do wrong, the Holy Spirit is going to tell you that you messed up. But do better next time. Turn back to me. Turn back to God. So the enemy is going to come at you with the message of defeat. Okay? Oh, you really messed that one up. You call yourself a Christian? If you were really a child of God, you wouldn't be wishy-washy like that. Right? That's how the enemy comes at us. When, when God convicts you, when God says, okay, you messed up, it's always turn to the positive direction. Okay? So Jonah has had a serious mess up here, right? But at his lowest point, at his darkest moment, Jonah realized, through God, I can be a conqueror. So, you know, there's this phrase that goes around, it's old, but it says, you know, when the devil reminds you of the past, remind him of his future. And that's true, okay? So, so yeah, we've messed up. That's okay. I mean, we, don't, we want to try not to, but let's try when we mess up to turn around and give it back to God. So don't mess up, but if you mess up, repent. Turn back to God. It's so easy and so comfortable to get set in our own way of doing things. We can look at this story and, and look at Jonah. How far would stubbornness have gotten him? Not much, right? If he continues on doing exactly what he's doing, then he's at some point is going to be digested, right? So at some point, he either has to turn it around or nothing good, good is going to happen. So Jonah was swallowed by the fish, okay? One day passes. Two days pass. Three days pass. And then the Bible tells us Jonah started praying. None of us have arrived at the spiritual level where we never have a need to change. None of us have ever arrived at the level where God doesn't need to correct our perspective sometimes. <clears throat> As believers, we have to keep in mind, we may miss, we have to keep that in mind, or we may miss terrific opportunities to grow in our faith. <clears throat> in some cases, God may have to humble us like he did Jonah in order to get us where he wants us to be. But we have to understand that God will do great things through us, even if God has to do great things to us. Okay, And that's what happens with Jonah. So we're going to skip a little bit ahead and, and look at Jonah chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. And we see that Jonah is now finishing up his prayer. Okay, And he says, But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you, what I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. 
And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. So it says, shouts of grateful praise. Okay, so how many of you parents have ever had a child, and you wanted them to change their attitude, or else you wanted to feed them to a big fish? Or is that just me? All right. None of you want to admit it with your children there beside you. I get you. All right. But when we see someone's attitude go from ungrateful, and when we see someone turn around, and they're grateful and they're polite, it's a good feeling, right? It's good to see someone who is going the wrong direction turn it around. So Jonah started off, I ain't going to Nineveh. Eventually, Jonah's attitude changes to, do I have to go to Nineveh? And then eventually, he's like, okay, I get to go to Nineveh. I get to be what God wants me to be. And so what we learn from Jonah, all right, keep this in mind, is Jonah's circumstances did not improve until after his attitude improved. Are you here with a reluctant attitude? Did you come here today with a kind of, do I really have to go to church sort of feeling about you? Well, chances are your your blesser might be broken, all right? God can't really get to your heart if you have that kind of attitude. But if you came with the attitude that, God, I want to see what you have in store for me. God, I want to see, you know, what's ahead for me. God, I want to praise you and I want to proclaim your name like Jonah has finally gotten to the point of. Then God can really work in your life. So Jonah chooses gratitude. He chooses to let God work his plan through him. So when God told Jonah, go, not going was never going to be an option. God said it, it's going to come to pass. All right? So there was never any harm to God's plan. The only harm came to Jonah. Who at this point, by the time we get done with verse 10 of chapter 2, he's fish vomit, okay? So the only harm that's ever come is to Jonah. God's plan is still right on schedule, all right? And so Jonah was the one who had to face the situation. Jonah was the one who had to face the, the, the circumstances. And he was the one who had to turn back to God. And this is one of those times when I'm glad that I'm not God, or else, this would read more like, you know, Jonah declared, I will say salvation is from the Lord. And the Lord replied, I told you so. Right? Anybody else read it like that? You just want to say, come on, Jonah, you knew better. All right. But I'm not God. So it's a much more gracious response, okay? It says, and the Lord commanded Jonah, and the fish vomited Jonah onto dry land. Jonah is one of the most famous people from the Bible, but when you think of Jonah, you tend to kind of focus on this, on this act of disobedience. Your first thought isn't to think of the guy who said, God, I will proclaim your word. God, I will go where you want me to go. That's not where our first thought goes to. Our first thought is the guy who ran away from God. God had to send a storm and a fish to go get him back, right? So... And, and, and that's the part of the story that captures our attention. That's the part of the story that captures our imagination. But ultimately, that's not really what Jonah is. Jonah is not 
just a cautionary tale. All right? We see in Jonah that God saves us and God gives us new life. Some things leave scars that are just never going to go away. Jonah could never say that he has never been fish vomit now. Okay? I have a scar on my ring finger. I'm going to have it for the rest of my life. Sometimes we make mistakes and we have to deal with those consequences, okay? So yeah, actions have consequences, but the fish for Jonah is not a punishment. Where did, where did Pastor Zach leave Jonah last week? In the water. How long was he going to be doing real well in that situation? Not long, okay? So, are you, uh, a lot of you may remember, you know, Greyhound used to have this slogan... Go Greyhound and leave the driving to us, right? Okay, so the, the fish is not just Jonah's punishment. It is sort of like, like God's bus that he sent for Jonah to get him back where he needed to go. Right? So God says, hey Jonah, leave the driving to me. So the great big fish is Jonah's rescue. The great big fish is God's way of getting Jonah back where he needs to be. We mentioned earlier that Jesus referred back to Jonah's time in the fish. Let's look at that again. So Matthew 12, 40. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jonah spent three days in the belly of this big fish, being saved from his mistakes, being saved from the water, being saved from what he had gone through, right? Jesus, for the salvation of you and me, spent three days in the belly of the earth to purchase our salvation. So, so to free us from the bondage of our rebellion, God did the same thing for us through Jesus that he did for Jonah through the fish, all right? So with that in front of our minds, we're going to finish up this morning, and I want you thinking of a change a challenge, and a charge. So first of all, if you've come in not really knowing Christ is your Savior, then I want to encourage you to change. Not that you have to clean up your life, but what I'd like to see you do today, come talk to one of us, myself, Pastor Zach, most of the people in here will be happy to tell you how you can change your direction and know Jesus Christ as your Savior, to know that salvation that Jesus offers. But if you are already a Christian, then I want to challenge you. Is your attitude where it needs to be? Or are you, I don't want to go to Nineveh. Every one of us has something that God wants us to be. Are are you listening to God's plan for you? Or are you just being dragged along? Are you actually seeking your place in God's plan? Or are you just going to let a big fish happen to you? All right. So attitude matters. All right. And then finally, so, so the challenge is actively seek your place in God's plan. And finally, I want to charge you. Go where God is sending you. Okay? We each have our Nineveh. We each have our place where God has us belonging. Every one of us does. For you, maybe that's helping out with youth. Maybe that's helping out in Sunday school upstairs. Maybe that's teaching a small group. Maybe that's reaching out to people at work or at school. Maybe that's reaching out to people in Africa or Asia. Only you can know that. Only you can, can t- 
talk to God and see where he wants you to go. He ain't going to tell me and have me deliver the news to you. So, so I charge you, find out what God wants for you and go to that mission field that God has for you. All right? So we'll go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this opportunity. I thank you that, that you do love us and that your desire for us is to not be ashamed, but that you'd have us turn our hearts to you. I thank you that you do such amazing things, Lord, to, uh, to accomplish your plans and your goals through our lives. And I thank you for all that you do. And if there's anybody here today that doesn't know you as their Savior, just help them to turn that over to you today, Lord. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.